Good morning. Well, it's good to see everybody here this morning, especially all the new faces and then the old faces that we haven't seen in a while. We love it when we have uh, old faces that we haven't seen in a while. We love it when we have um, visitors at our service. So we welcome you, and we're glad that you're here um, this morning. So um, Jeff, we're just going to all bear together. And so um, Jeff, we're just going to all bear together, okay? Um, by the way, if your children scream and holler and shout, it's beautiful, beautiful music. So don't take them out. Just leave them in to, in to scream. George doesn't mind, right, George? Right, George? Doesn't mind, right, George? Right, George? Okay, good. George does. My Savior, My God, we kind of play it a little bit rockabilly, so how about sing with us My Savior, My God this morning? Country Fied is, is um, Jimmy Bowie. I am not skilled to understand What God has willed, what God has on high 
for worship and sing, Lord, I give you my heart. Is it in you? 
invite the children to come forward for a few moments of sharing, and we invite you to turn and greet your neighbors. Good morning. Hi, everybody. Everybody doing good this morning? Who knows what I got right here? Does anybody know what this is? What do you think it is? It is a popsicle. But what's the matter with it? That's right. It's not frozen. It's a lot like us. But what happens if I put it in the freezer? It does get frozen, and it changes, doesn't it? Changes into something you can enjoy, right? Well, we're a lot like this popsicle. It is melted. Thank you very much. <laughs> but, you know, when we ask Jesus into our lives, we become a lot like this popsicle. We're basically the same, but we change, and we're a better version of us. So let's take that with us as we go out, that remember we always want to be a better version of ourselves. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for letting this popsicle be a lesson to us so that we can learn to have you make a better version of us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a great service for children to get used to being in if you want to do that. I promise you the noise doesn't get up here. I guess it goes that way. <clears throat> so we're glad to have them out here. And there's nothing sadder than a church that has no noise in it from children. Uh, how wonderful it is that we're blessed to have uh, little wigglers in this service as well as the, the later service also. Glad to have you here today. If you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you here. Hope that you'll stay around for Sunday school at 10, and if you'd like to, the worship service at 11 o'clock. Um, we stagger communion between two different Sundays, so we won't be having communion over there at 11, but you're invited to stay. Um, this way, our folks have two Sundays in a row to, to partake of communion if they so desire. Uh, and you certainly are welcome as a visitor to be at the Lord's table. The Lord invites all of us to his table and doesn't distinguish between member and non-member or any other uh, of our human distinctions. So if you wish to, to share communion with us today, you're certainly invited to do so. And we will be receiving communion uh, in a method called intinction, which means there'll be two stations. You'll get a piece of bread from a, a large loaf, and then you will dip it in the cup and, and then uh, give yourself communion. Uh, as we, in that way, receive both body and blood uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you a chance to share some prayer concerns that you might have this morning. Our ushers have prayer cards uh, for you, and if you would uh, raise your hand so we can see where to hand these out. If you'll fill this out, we will uh, receive those cards in a few moments and share prayer, uh, your, your concerns with the whole uh, group that is here today. We uh, are starting something new um, today, thanks to Daryl Richforth. Uh, Daryl came up with this idea of having some cups in the back, coffee cups, for first-time visitors. In those cups is a rolled-up uh, uh, stack of papers that tells you some information about our church. So if you're a first-time visitor here today, we invite you to, to pick up one of those coffee mugs with the information in it uh, and hopefully that'll help answer some of your questions. Uh, those of you members and longtime visitors are also invited to buy a cup for the small sum of 10 bucks. So you may do that also there on the back table there as, uh, as you leave today. Coffee refills are free. Thank you, Jimmy. <clears throat> yes, we, we will see to that. Um, received a phone call this morning of, of some word to share with you folks of, of a truly a sad nature. Um, the principal of Holly Springs Motlow School has been found dead. He has apparently been principal for 20 years, and some of you have worked with him. 
his name was um, David Kraft, a very good friend of Keith and Wendy Clark's and Gwen Church and others. I think I have been told that Cindy Miller uh, knew him and worked with him. Um, the funeral is not set yet, but we wanted to let you know about this because a lot of folks had not heard this. Uh, this is a second year that this area has had a principal to die during the, uh, during the summer. And so our thoughts and prayers certainly are with the students and the teachers and the friends of uh, uh, Holly Springs Motlow School. Today our youth or a group of them leave on a mission trip down to South Georgia, North Georgia. Well, there's such a big difference there. <clears throat> but, uh, but anyway, Andy's taking a group down there. What other, uh, other adults going with you? Corey's going along, okay. And uh, youth that are here, would you raise your hand if you're going along? Away, I see a few hands, good, good. Well, these folks will be representing you today uh, and this week on a mission trip, so remember them in prayer. How wonderful it is that in your name and in the name of our Lord, a team is going from here to share God's love with that community. So we, uh, we will be praying for you. If you're ready with your prayer cards, would you raise, your, raise them up so we can pick them up? Are there other announcements, Lee? Yes, we're having some wonderful Wild Wednesdays with children this summer, thanks to Lee's hard work. Youth will meet tonight in spite of uh, Andy's absence, but there will be no youth on Wednesday night. They will not be meeting Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you. Let us join our hearts together for this time in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your love as shown to us in so very many ways. We especially thank you that we have this symbolic reminder of your deep love for us, a love that compelled you to give your life for us, to make sure that we were not lost, but that we were found by God and secured by God for all eternity. And for this, we thank you. And these are our special prayers of this day. We pray for the youth who are going to Cleveland, Georgia today for their week-long mission trip. We pray for those going through separation, especially for the children in those situations. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and their loved ones. We thank you for Erin Stewart's continued healing. We pray that you would be with her and her family during these difficult days. We pray for Lucille Dittmar uh, for good results from her PET scan, for Betty Vaughn for strength to recover from the chemotherapy for lymphoma. Again, we pray for the youth as they go on mission trips. We pray for George Timbleston, uh, who has cancer, for Patricia Haney, who has Alzheimer's, and for Reverend Jack Haney, who um, is in need of care and is the caregiver. Uh, we pray for Tanya and Jessica Haney. We pray for baby Carson Barnett. May the doctors help her feel better and the test results show she is growing normally. For Liz Farley who is battling cancer. We pray for a son who has been diagnosed with cancer. We pray for healing and comfort for Mike Berg and Carl Reinick. We pray for youth and leaders on the mission trip this week. We pray for a son going through divorce. For a friend who is beginning treatment this week for stomach cancer. We pray for John and Betty Kay. For Robert McCowan family. 
And for a 92-year-old aunt that is recovering from two falls and the fractured pelvis from those falls, these are our prayers, O Lord, as you've taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Back in the 1970s, Memorial United Methodist Church was appointed a young and energetic pastor named George Strait. And now we have a young and energetic pastor emeritus named George Strait. And we're, it's always an honor to have George preach. And Mark Radline said this morning, you can always tell when George is going to preach because Penny even comes to church. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, Penny. <laughs> uh, it's a joy to be here. I thank Arthur for this opportunity to, to preach again. And um, I love you and this church. You've been good to me and to my family, and for that I'm grateful. The scripture this morning, I will read only a part of it. It's a long scripture. I would invite you to read it at home, if you will. It's in the fourth chapter of John's Gospel. I think it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Here are portions of it. I'll read beginning from the fourth chapter. I'll begin with the seventh verse. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not, have, do not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and with his sons and his flock drank from it? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to come in here to draw water. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to think with you this morning about surprises. Uh, I like surprises. Uh, I've been surprised several times uh, with birthday celebrations. My children had one some years back for me. Uh, it's hard to keep things from a lot of us, and, and they just fully fooled me and surprised me. They did the same thing with a 35th anniversary for my first wife, Sue, and myself. It was a surprise. I was surprised. Harriet and I had been gone this week, and we came home and listened to a bunch of messages on the answer machine. I was surprised because one of them said, Doc, I want to have my tooth extracted today. Now, you'll be happy to know I didn't do it, but it surprised me. Uh, I remember when I was a teenage boy, I was playing billiards pool with a friend of mine, Warren. And, and uh, it wasn't a place I should have been. It was at the C&J Bar and Lounge. And as it were, how in the world, I saw this crew come in with a, with a cooler, with one of those big walk-in beverage coolers. And I didn't think anything about it until I saw my daddy with the crew bringing it in. He looked at me and I looked at him. 
And I don't remember a, a word ever being spoken. I just got on my bicycle and went home. But I want you to know it was a surprise. <laughs> Our son, Elliot, uh, when he was in high school, his last year or so, he went to work down at North Myrtle Beach at a, at a Christian campground. He, he loved it. But it's hard when you let your child, those of you who have young teenage children, young men and women, it's not easy to let them go. And so one day at the end of the season, he called his mother and, and told her he was on his way home. And she told me, she said, Elliot's on his way home. How long do you think it'll take? And I said, well, it, from North Myrtle Beach, it'll probably take four and a half or five hours. In about five minutes, the door opened, and there was Elliot. And she said, son, where were you when you, when you called me? This was before cell phones for you young people. And he said, uh, I was down here at the post office on North Main in, in uh, West Arlington. And she said, why did you do that? He said, well, I knew you were going to worry. And I figured it was better for you to worry five minutes than five hours. The word surprise is that, that which is unexpected, that which is sudden. And our biblical passage tells us that this happened to this Samaritan woman. She came to Jacob's well about noontime. She brought her jar and her rope. And there sat Jesus. Surprise. Think with me for a few moments about this story, this remarkable story of the woman at the well. The first thing that I see in the story is there's contact. And I don't know whether you have tried to avoid anybody. I think most of us, if we're honest, have. You know, the kind of person you don't want to see. Do you have any of those you don't want to see? You just don't want to deal with them. And you go to buy low just going there to do your shopping or whatever store you're in, Publix, doesn't matter. And there on aisle six, coming towards you, is that person that you really don't want to see. I've seen it happen in the theater. You go to the theater, you sit in a darkened theater, and all of a sudden when your eyes adjust to the darkness, then across the aisle from you is a person you don't want to see. I've heard businessmen tell me that they have actually seen people who owed them money cross the street so that they wouldn't have contact. Now the story, if you read it, has to do with the fact that the Pharisees were very jealous of, of the popularity of Jesus and, and, and what was happening in the movement about baptism that he and John had made, according to them. And Jesus chose the most direct route to go from, from Judea to Galilee, and it had to go through Samaria. In a nutshell, the, the Jewish people didn't like the Samaritan people because during the exile, the, the Jewish people were carried off, and some of the people, Jewish people who, who stayed there were intermarried with the Assyrian invaders. And the Jews never forgave them, and they looked upon them as a crossbreed and they would not forgive them for marrying the foreigners. And Jesus and his disciples are here traveling along, and they stop here at this road, the fork in the road, as it were, where Jacob's well is located. The disciples have gone to buy provisions, food, for the next part of the journey. Now, when you travel along, if you're like I am, you make a lot of stops along the way. Um, older ones of us never pass a rest area. I never saw a rest area I didn't like. Sometimes we've eaten a picnic lunch there. Sometimes we've stopped just to get a drink of water and use the facilities. And it may be that you don't stop at rest areas. It may be that you're a frosty person and you stop at Wendy's. Or you're a, um, you go to Hardee's or you get a Big Mac at the Golden Arches. But when you're traveling, you always stop. If you're traveling with children, you stop more often. If you're traveling with older persons, you stop even more often. And Jesus is thirsty and weary, and he sat down to rest. 
And while he was resting, this woman approached. The, the scripture says it was about the sixth hour, and normally that's thought of it to be noon or very early in the afternoon. It was an unusual time for a person, for a woman to be drawing water, because normally people did this in the evening. The women would come and they would fill their water jars and they would chatter and, and gossip and talk. And it seems altogether likely, according to many of the sources, that this unnamed woman came to G Jacob's well at this particular time because she didn't want to see anyone. Now, a Jewish man did not speak to a Jewish woman even if he knew her outside. A Jewish man would certainly not speak to a strange Jewish woman. A Jewish man would not speak to a Samaritan man on the street unless he wanted to say something ugly. But for a Jewish rabbi to speak to a, to a, a Samaritan woman of doubtful reputation was unthinkable. And I want you to get very clearly this contrast of what happened there when they made contact. Jesus tells a woman that those who drink from this water that you're drawing will become thirsty again, but the living water that I give you will never thirst. And this woman said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst again. The second thing that, that I see here is a confrontation. Jesus gives her a, a very interesting uh, thing, statement. He says, go call your husband and come here. Surprise. Because if there's anything that woman didn't want to hear, she didn't want to have to acknowledge that she had no husband. And Jesus saw something in this sinful woman and you will recall that as she said, sir, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five of them. And the man with whom you're now living is not your husband. Now, I've thought about that. Uh, you know, people make mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. He was a woman who probably married early in life. And she tried again and again. Maybe the next marriage will make it. You've had some of those feelings, haven't you? Well, you think, if I just had another wife, if I just had another husband. And the moment you start doing that, the moment I start doing that, then we're in big trouble. This lady married five times. And what she longed for, she never received. She was passed from man to man. She was snubbed by the people in the village, never fully satisfied. We see an abrupt change in her attitude, though, with this confrontation of Jesus. She said, sir, I, I perceive that you're a, a prophet. Now that changes, you see. How did he know this? How did he know that I had five husbands? And then she gets religious, and every preacher has experienced this, where people get religious. People have said that when they find out I'm a preacher, they'll say, oh, my great-grandfather was a Methodist. And what that usually means is that I don't have any religion at all. But Jesus tells us something that's very important. He says that she, she goes off that, you know, you say you're supposed to go to Jerusalem, to the temple, but my father, you know, we always worship you on the mountain. And Jesus said, you know, that's not the issue. The issue really is that God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That God is a presence, not a place. And here for the first time, we find that Jesus acknowledges that he is the Messiah. And she says at first, well, you know, I know this. I know that there is a Messiah to come. And when he comes, and Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. Confrontation. The third thing that I see in this story is change. I, I can feel some excitement when, when someone really cared for her not for what she could do for them, but who really cared about her, 
something transforming went on. It was so exciting that she, the scripture says she left her water jar and she went into the city and she exclaimed to the villagers, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And I believe that her friends saw that she was different. Here was a woman who was not well thought of by the community. I would venture to say that if someone who'd been married five times and was living with someone without the benefit of marriage, they would not be the kind of person you and I would invite over for tea and cookies. But somehow, there was a sparkle in her eye. There was a hope that she had not had before. She found the possibility of a new life, of a new beginning. When you and I look through the, through the scripture, again and again we see that when Jesus confronts people, they're changed. When he met Paul on the Damascus Road, Saul on the Damascus Road, he was changed. Jesus said, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Paul said, who are you? And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. That's a confrontation, that's a surprise, and it brought about a change. When Jesus looked up in the sycamore tree and he said to Zacchaeus, come down. That's a contact, that's a confrontation, and there was a change. And Zacchaeus said, Lord, I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone, I'll repay them four times over. Sooner or later, you and I will be surprised. We will, if we've not already be, been, surprised and confronted with our own sinfulness. There's not a one of us here who is without sin. And the one who can redeem us is that same Christ who surprised the woman at the well. We must acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. I want to close with a story from George Matheson. He was a Scottish preacher. And it, it was reported in a book by Gerald Kennedy that there was an old woman in his congregation. She lived in the slums. She worshiped there in the church. She lived in a cellar apartment. And she'd lived there for years. It was dark. It was damp. It was, was stale air. But she lived there so long and had gotten so accustomed to that place that she didn't move. And one day she announced to her neighbors that she was moving. And a move was to take place and it wasn't far. It was a little place not too far away. And it was an attic apartment. And she went there because it was light and airy. It was different. And the neighbor said, why after all these years have you decided to move? And she replied, because you can't hear George Matheson preach and live in a cellar. And I'm here this morning to tell you that you and I can't be the disciples of Jesus Christ and live sinful lives. We're called upon by him to make contact, to be confronted, to be forgiven, and to be redeemed, to let that living water live even in us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Here we are. I think we're going to, in the interest of time, uh, skip to a part called the, inf uh, the uh, Invitation. Here we are. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Uh-oh, I'm stopping. Okay, <laughs> let us pray together. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. 
We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Now as forgiven and reconciled people, let us offer ourselves and our gifts to God as we receive our morning offering.
Great Thanksgiving is there on the screen. Join in this with me, please. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our, love fail, and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through the prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I invite you to come the outside of your chairs to the center and then back down the center aisle. And Chris and Jimmy will join, please, uh, George and me for this time. Thank you. 